Good afternoon. You know what that sound indicates. It is time for another podcast featuring yours truly, KG. Next, the fifth one, Wildcat. Yeah. Last but not least, yeah. Dr. Kingata Cavill. This is another KG and fifth of Wildcat podcast. And at some point, Dr. might be added to the title there. You know, you keep earning your stripes and doing a great job. You've done the last two podcasts. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing well today. Doing well today. Doing well today. Should we, doing well here as well. Should we get off on the Texas Southern tangent tip? Because I'm, I'm in a really good, I'm proud of, of Mike Davis. Brought that up kind of quickly today. Uh, yeah, I, I am. Uh, two things, two things. I mean, it's, it's still football season. Basketball season is is a few weeks away from starting. But uh, Mike Davis and his TSU Tigers men's basketball program is, is in the news, getting some national attention from a couple of publications. Initially, I didn't know about this one. Uh, it was written on collegesportsmadness.com website back in June, but just received word a few days ago that the Tigers were ranked. Uh, they, that website does a preview of the top 144 schools in Division One. TCU was ranked 140th, but the big thing was the website picked them to win the SWAC. Um, the battle was Southern, but TCU was picked to win the SWAC by that website, which means they're going to the NCAA tournament. Then yesterday, on Saturday, USA Today. Also, that matter. ranked is higher up. No offense to collegesportsmatters.com. USA Today is a little bit higher up on the food chain. College sports, um, well, USA Today has the Tigers ranked 61 out of their projected field of 68 to reach the NCAA tournament. Once again, battling Southern. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on Mike Davis? Cody, you, Doc, since you are out plus, we're going to tie all this. Great news about TSU being projected to win the, the SWAC and going to the NCAA tournament. As we all know, the SWAC basketball championship is going to be played here in Houston in March of 2014, 15, and 16 for the next three years. So we'll talk about that as well. Talk about the locker room facilities being renovated, all kinds of news happening over there at TSU. But first things first, Doc, what are your thoughts on the Tigers receiving national love? Yes, I think it's about time. I think when you bring in a incredible coach such as Mike Davis, and then he does what he did last year in terms of uh, winning the regular season in the SWAC. Uh, obviously could not go to the postseason in the SWAC tournament, and then therefore winning it, obviously the NCAA tournament, because of previous APR sanctions. So you can tell that they're moving in the right direction. Uh, I think it's a big statement when you start to have people recognize your program. Texas Southern has a long history in terms of what they've been able to achieve on the basketball court. So it's good to see them uh, back to what many of their fans believe and previous coaches believe is their rightful place. With that said, the thing I will add is they also will be heading to Atlanta for the inaugural HBCU basketball tournament. And one of the big things uh, those that follow HBCU sports know about the classic type atmospheres and tournaments. But one thing that is unique about this one, just like football, they get to play in the professional facilities, this game will be played in the professional facility uh, where the Atlanta Hawks play in terms of Phillips Arena. It will feature another uh, SWAT team in terms of Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then they'll reach out into the MEAC where they'll play Norfolk State. And many people have seen what Norfolk State has done in the past, but I will uh, caution individuals because their coach has left for what, many perceive as greener pastures going down there to Florida. Uh, but uh, with that, in terms of them looking at it, the only other thing I will add is we have to throw in the other team that will probably fight uh, Texas Southern in terms of that bid 
to the tournament is Southern University, and they actually went up and played in Canada three games in terms of that travel package that each team can do uh, ever so many years, according to uh, the NCAA. They took advantage of that and took a road trip up there and got three big wins against some uh, pretty good competition in terms of Canadian uh, professional teams up in that way. So I thought that was interesting. I would lead, early as it is, I would lead uh, in terms of supporting that measure they picked with Texas Southern. There's a couple of people that will be sitting out for the fall part of the basketball season, but when it gets hot and heavy in conference race, boy, there's some, some teams and things out there, some players that uh, haven't been spoken about, and it looks like Texas Southern and Southern might get some much-needed hype along to go along with some of the great point guard play they had this year. Is this the most off-season recognition that the basketball program has gotten since the back in the days when uh, uh, when uh, Coach Moreland had first got there and got, got the program turned around? They were still doing the NAIA? I, would, I believe so in terms of uh, Coach Moreland uh, succeeded the uh, coaches in terms of taking that program to the next level, obviously, in 77. They won the NAIA National Championship several bids to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we remember that game where they actually went to overtime with Arkansas. Those that were pulling for Texas Southern or those that were pulling for underdogs uh, really missed that when the free throw was missed and couldn't quite get that game done uh, in terms of a major upset. But I would have to say, yes, obviously they had a chance where they went to the tournament, uh, winning and playing in uh, the playing game back during uh, Courtney's uh, days in terms of taking over the program, but I would say probably the most recognition since Moreland's days, you might have to give a slight glance when Courtney took over and uh, had a game against North Carolina Asheville. Let me let me say this, a quote from uh, the article in USA Today, and I linked to the article on, on my uh, my blog, Houston Rumbar View, Men's Who's blog, you can check that out, go to the uh, HoustonRumbarView.com and, and read the blog and, and see more information about it, but the quote from Coach Davis, uh, quote, we lost two big guys, and that's Omar Strong and uh, and uh, Fred Sturdivant. But uh, I think, this is Coach Davis speaking, but I think we have what it takes to be better than last year's team. Last year's team went 16-2 and two in the SWAC. Uh, they, what, they won 16 in a row, I believe, something like that, during the season. Mm -hmm. um, they started out 1-13 and 13 to finish like 17. Right, it looked like first game in the Southern. And they won. One, one, I think they won about three or four in a row. They lost one, I think it was the... Pine Bluff up there, and then they just ran, ran through the rest of the clubs, including a payback win against Southern near the end of the season uh, on their home court. So for Coach Davis to say that he believes this year's squad can, can be better than last year's squad, that says something. He just thinks it's going to come down to chemistry, and obviously the new guy he's bringing in, he's bringing in a lot of wing players. Yeah, he's got a lot of uh, athletic players that he's bringing in that he's comfortable with. Uh, he thinks they're going to give him much added depth. Uh, some players in terms of he has coming back will be like uh, – graduate senior, so he feels really good about experienced players, and then adding those new, some of those freshmen out of one out of the Dallas area, he thinks he can get some time in there, so they're going to have some talent, so I can see why he would uh, caution everybody, but be excited of what he thinks in terms of the new uh, center part of his team could be much better in terms of what's going on next. And he's got Ray Penn at the point guard running the show. Uh, and get much better than that at this level. And believes that Rams' chance to lead the country in assists based on the style of offense that they're going to play. You know, Coach Davis' style is, is up and down, you know, like the aggressive on defense and get out and run on offense. Um, obviously, we all know it's, a, it's still a SWAC. We know that they're going to have to win the SWAC championship to get to the NCAA tournament. But they can win 20, 20 games 
uh, during the regular season. They got road games, non-conferences against Miami, Stanford, Tulsa, Temple, and TCU. So those are programs with, with, with name recognition. Right. So they can knock off, you know, a couple of those that go a long way. Go a long way to a really cementing um, what he's putting together. And that's tied all in. A few days ago, it was announced that uh, the men's and women's basketball teams' locker rooms were the renovations were completed. So just touch on that. I think it's all it's all a, a positive and indicative of the work that Dr. Charles McClellan is doing, the AD over TSU, that he's doing. Let's talk about the renovations over there. Oh, it's a totally renovated facility, and all that support was actually done by uh, Dr. Charles McClellan as well as the uh, president supporting uh, all those initiatives. Rudley, uh, when I say the president. But if you take a look at the facilities, they have a total outside door. They have that frost window when you come in there, which indicative of to that uh, CEO office look. Um, you have a total office separated from the locker room. Uh, when you look at the men's and women's side, you go in there and you have a decorative wall, a sticky type portrait uh, that talks about uh, whether it's women's or men's basketball. It really gets you excited, uh, very artistic, very modern looking in terms of the, uh, the look, how it looks, and you can see why young student athletes would be excited about it. And then he has a, an additional room up in the front where you have a lounge area, which was kind of unheard of at the uh, mid-major level in terms of uh, low-major level, whether you're talking about the SWAT, you haven't really seen that before in terms of upgrades, some of the newer facilities up there, maybe Hampton, now Alabama State has something uh, similar to that. Uh, but it is very nice, big screen TVs in there in terms of so they can watch uh, practices, relax a little bit from after classes, in terms of they have computers in there where they can do their work, get tutored, they wash components is back in the back, hitting off, uh, very nice locker that are wood grain that look more like the professional that you would see <laughs> down there at the Toyota Center. Yeah, that's both exactly. for the men's and women's. And these are not those smaller metal lockers that you remember from uh, our fans that had to do it at the junior high and high school level. Now, these are your full-gauge, double-sized locker room where students could actually sit in there, pull a component out, and get some a uh, little bit of privacy, but a lot of room where they put all that stuff in there. So it is first class in every way, carpet in there. Then on the men's side, what I really liked is they put a the homage to the history of Texas Southern University. So they go all the way back to the 50s, 16s, and won um, SWAC, and at that time, Midwestern Athletic mm -hmm. Conference Championships, if you would, and then they go all the way up. So you have all these retired individuals whose jerseys and names are retired, and you have a picture of these guys in their athletic gear when they were lining up playing for the Tigers. So it gives an ode to the history, which is a second uh, component in terms of not understanding where you want to move forward, but also taking care of those in the past and the bright history and letting everybody know that there's a legacy that you had to look up for. Granger stuff is in there for some of those that uh, uh, recently look at some of the uh, popularity of what's going on, but uh, all of them in there. It's really nice. Facility. And there's a photo gallery that uh, is in one of the blog posts that I wrote about, about the locker room innovations. There's a photo gallery of the men's locker rooms and also a photo gallery for the women's locker rooms, and both of those are on the uh, QTRombarview.com website. You can see it on the men's whose blog as well as women's whose blog. 
Um, my go goal, see those pictures. The pictures are not nice description. Yeah, does not really do it justice. So take advantage to go on. Very nicely, just like Chris and check it out. Very. I was very impressed with the photos. I'm looking forward to checking that out when I, when I stop by um, the campus, especially to see uh, one of those two teams. <clears throat> but anyway. Going to get into that later on as the season approaches and get to practicing like that. But you we'll make sure you get a, the chance to go to the women's locker room. We know that you fully uh, cover women's basketball, so it would be injustice if we just allowed you to see the well, women's side and not the women's thank side. Thank you, Doc. I'm to, you have to put a good word for them with the women's coach over there, apparently. I'll do that. But um, you know, as Doc pointed out, it's custom-made wood locker stalls. Uh, the fellas have three flat-screen TVs, leather sofas, and custom-embroidered kitchen recliner chairs. I want to give a quote. From Dr. McClellan, the renovation to our locker rooms puts us on par with some of the top Division I programs in the country. This undoubtedly gives us the ability to recruit the best student athletes in the nation, and it has allowed us to bring in some of the talented players that we have within our programs at this time. Hopefully, all of this will allow us to continue to compete at a high level across the board. Just touch on, you know, we don't want to toot his horn too much, but Dr. McClellan's done a great job over at TSU from where it was to, to where it is and where it continues to grow. To grow. Talk about Dr. Keith Dunn over there. Yeah, he, Dr. Charles McCullen uh, has came in with a vision uh, from the outset in terms of what he wanted to do. And at the beginning, I'm not sure he realized how much of a hole maybe Texas Southern was in in terms of what he had to dig to get it back. And I think that's why it's taken a little more time. But credit to him, as I said, President Rudley as well, that has given him a lot of uh, financial need to support what he's doing as well as a lot of freedom to do those things. He's hired compliance staff, which is second to none in terms of what we see at the HBCU level, equal to the mid-major, to some degree some of the major programs in terms of having three full-time people in the compliance office itself, as well as three additional individuals that help, well, four, I'm sorry, additional individuals that help with advising student-athletes. The graduation has continued to climb. It was low as 20% uh, for athletes, and now it's up to 40%. And the way they look at it, projecting, they should get up to 50 60% in the real near future. So that's something to be excited about and bright for the future. Obviously, you have the new football partnership with the Dynamo in terms of the home stadium for Texas Southern students, which was a big deal, which is a state-of-the-art uh, facility that everybody knows well. Now you look back what they did in terms of the basketball facilities. You heard with the locker room, but what preceded the locker room, what they did first was they – renovated the outside of H&P building in terms of really making it uh, new again in terms of whitewashing it, doing all the architecture structure from that. Then you go internally into it, fixed up all the offices for the coaches, um, and then uh, put tarp uh, awnings across it so you can see the basketball logo, redoing the floor, uh, and all these kind of nice amenities are part of what uh, Texas Southern and Charles McCullen as well as Dr. Rudley have done in terms of moving this particular athletic program not only in the SWAC, uh, but wanting to be a new statement in terms of HBCU facilities and just general uh, going from what is noted as low major programs to mid-major programs to being uh, a very good program in this region and nationally. So those are the things that I've seen what he's done and I have to give him a lot of credit because I know the hard work that he's put in, and I knew where Texas Southern as being inside the institution as a sports management professor to see those things. He's partnered with the sports management professors, I mean the sports management degree programs. He's partnered with 
some of the other academic programs on campus to really support, not just athletically, but academically. Uh, he did a presentation with myself in terms of, uh, of uh, some of the research we do on campus, so let me know how he means to support everything Texas Southern University. I'm glad you, you touched on a little bit of your job, but for the folks who listen to the podcast, and we're going to take a few moments here. Oh, thank you. Remind everybody who you are, sir, and tell them about your credentials and how they can find you on the Internet. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast as it continues to grow. Uh, they have done a yeoman's work to get it where it is, and hopefully my presence will just help carry the weight to continue to promote. But with that said, I am an academician by trade and first professor at Texas Southern University. I teach in the sports management department or oh, actually the Department of Health Kinesiology with the Sports Management uh, Program, which is a new degree offering, which is a Bachelor of Science in Sports Management. So I teach the business side of sport management, understanding marketing, uh, advertising, event management, things of that nature. You can find me, as I also do as my other business, in terms of a full-time HBCU sport analyst. So I like to think that I know everything HBCU sports from much of the history to where the programs are today, and that's both on and off the field with great coaches in the past, legendary coaches in the past as well as players, and what is going on today. So I released a poll. I actually have uh, we'll a talk about that right in a few seconds. Yeah. We'll get that out a little later, but uh, we do a football poll, a men's and women's basketball poll, which is done unheard of out there in terms of basketball. And also, just as recently as last year, which became our 10th anniversary, we added the baseball poll. On the football side, the unique thing about the football poll, which there are a couple of those out there, but all separates the poll into to two distinct categorical areas, which is we call major division and mid-major division. The major divisions will be NCAA Division I FCS programs, such as, obviously, Texas Southern, Prairie View, North Carolina A&T, Southern, Grambling State, FAMUs, Howard's. And then we also do a mid-major group uh, to make sure these small institutions get all the leverage that they can in, within the HBU sector, which are Division II and NAIA Division I programs. NAIA, that would be programs such as Langston in this greater area as well as Texas College. Uh, Division II outside of that will be mainly the SIAC, the CIAA. SIAC is schools such as Tuskegee and Morehouse which probably would ring a bell to some people, as well as Stillman hopefully. College, Miles College, and hopefully, uh, and as well as the CIAA, some programs up there are Virginia Union, as you talk about basketball and won championships at the Division II level, as well as other programs as Elizabeth City State and Virginia State as such. Well, let's, let's get into uh, your football poll. Your football is top ten. Oh, let's, just, let's start uh, from, you know, local area. and start from the bottom and work to the top. At yeah. number 10, you got number 10? Yeah. Number 10, looking at the poll, it is a local program. Prairie A&M University hit the little switch going down last year, but they have all the talent coming back with the quarterback star that should be give you a lot of action, which is DeAndre Smiley. So with the talent they have with like 67 players returning, um, they should be able to find a way to move up and make it some part of the race when we talk about the SWAC championships, some teams that you're going to look at, obviously, is Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Southern, particularly of the Western Division. They should be in that fight, so it should be some interesting big-time games. Obviously, the biggest one of the season for them is that first one with the rivals of Texas Southern University and the Labor Day Classic right here in Houston, 
Texas should be interesting for that game. And, and let's pause right there. While I can bring you in on this as well. Yep. Any new info regarding no. ticket sales for the game? How the Lakeland Classic is going? How about you? What, what have you heard? From my standpoint, um, no. Uh, you know, the line is still handling, take care of what they need to take care of. Hadn't been told a ticket price as of yet, uh, but I have been told that um, there will be a presentation, a media presentation, uh, in reference to the upcoming uh, men's and women's basketball tournament concerning the Toyota Center. But as far as when that will hap- exactly happen, um, they haven't set a date yet, and I presume right. it will be, right at, uh, be somewhere after our day of, uh, week of, the uh, Swags uh, Media Day. Uh, hopefully, everything will be in, in, in place by that time, including a ticket price for the, uh, for the uh, basketball tournament. But as far as football, nothing. I, I know. <laughs> and folks, I know I keep harping on this, but I know how we are, and I know what we, what we look at with our dollars. We want to support, but we're looking for something, and we had not seen it yet. I want this to... Uh, me personally, I truly want this to succeed. I want it to be here, to, you know, just rotation between here in Birmingham, and I want this to work because we have facilities, we have transportation, we have hotel, we have hospitality. Um, it's just good for the SWAC to just learn that TSU and Fairview can get things done here in Houston, Texas, rather than everybody going off to Birmingham just because, you know, that's where the office is. Yeah, I know for a fact that they wanted to work here. Do they have the expertise, and will they seek the expertise if they don't or at least just partner with? I can't necessarily answer that question. I do know that they came down uh, about two months ago. When I say they, I'm talking about the commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Dewar Sharp, to talk about some individuals in terms of trying to get a lay of the land and how they're going to roll it out. I know there's a lot of sports properties uh, in terms of regional marketing groups that are trying to reach out and set up some things. So I think that's part of the reason why they haven't really laid it out. And it is late for the process, but I think one thing that's good about it, I think he's trying to be fair and give these people opportunity to kind of bid on this thing. So I think that's good for at least the regional market that they're going to hopefully get uh, Houston area individuals involved. Now in terms of the broader scope of the situation when we also talk about the Labor Day Classic, which is more of a Texas Southern University entity from the standpoint that uh, they have started selling tickets. Uh, they have brought radio time on ESPN. It's my understanding they're going to do some radio time as well on 1230. To the depth of that, I'm not at preview to be able to, of that type of knowledge, nor would I really be able to talk about it uh, and give it justice. Uh, but there is a component that suggests that the market that we're dealing with does not traditionally buy tickets until the day before the game and game day in terms of maybe 70% of the ticket uh, purchases. And game day is when, fellas? Saturday, the 31st of August. So less than two weeks away. Right. Now, as a sport management professor, marketing, in my opinion, and branding then a bit goes much further than that which is a whole separate issue and why you bring up the issue of getting it out to the masses of people. It will be interesting to see if their current formula will work. And sometimes you just have to do what we call in the academic world a case study. And then we can come back and talk about whether they did it the right way 
or if we could have provided additional information to make it even bigger than what it is. But it's going to be fascinating to watch this because, again, this is the first time that the Labor Day Classic will be in BBVA Stadium. Obviously, it was open last year, but the game was under the ownership of Prairie View. It switches every year. And so that year, last year, they took it to Reliance Stadium, which is somewhere it's been for the previous 15-some years in that time. So a lot of people had knowledge of that, and they did a different marketing scheme. So it's going to be interesting to follow. Obviously, that stadium over there holds 22,000. So the question is, is, uh, is the demand going to be there to fill that stadium up? It's my understanding they usually sell about 25,000 tickets. Uh, but as the product continues to fluctuate, and questions about that, parking associated with that area, how are all these things going to come together to find out what the actual attendance will be in terms of moving forward. Now that's going to be a key, and uh, you, you mentioned all the time about what is the mission, what is your purpose, and, and what, what are you looking to see but as far as succeeding. Yep. And I told you my mission is I need to get them in the building. I don't, I'm not concerned once they get inside. Some kind of way we'll find a way to entertain them and get them fed um, and, and get, you know, food and drinks into them. But my objective is to get them in the building. You know, that's a very good objective because <laughs> at some point we all got to figure out how to get them in the building. And we just, to a certain extent, some of us, when we market, we've been excited about being in the building instead of getting into the building. Right. Uh, when you talk about uh, Texas Southern University opening up a new stadium, uh, some people will believe that if you build it, they will come. I'm of the, right. I'm of the thought process is that, yeah, you can build it and they will come if you provide the masses of people the information that they need to be aware that they need to come and that needs not miss opportunity. So I think you got to add something to it. And some people just have a different mindset. So we will see. Like we said so far, Dr. Charles McCullen has been successful, so what he's done so far. So we'll trust to see what he does moving forward. And then once, uh, after the fact, we can decide that it worked. Before getting back to the Wildcat and, and your part of it, Doc, finish off your uh, your top ten. Sure. We'll move a little faster here to make sure that people get that. At number ten again, we, we got time. Number number time. Yeah. 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 We got time. We got plenty of time. We got time. Oh, I like yeah. that. So, yeah. Go ahead. You got to do your poll. Just do your poll. I don't want to get back to the poll. I'll put the ball in. So, yeah, do your poll. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to give you an in-depth. I'm going to ask for an in-depth on two of these schools. Oh, I like that, then. So, let's start it like this, then. As we said, number ten, but we're going to back up a little bit and say those that are receiving votes just outside of the top ten will be Alabama A&M Bulldogs who were 7-4 last season. They, were, they have three points in the poll. And the other one just above them outside of the top ten is Florida A&M Rattlers, the Alabama A&M Bulldogs of the SWAC, the Rattlers of the MEAC, which is the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, for those that may not know. They're also the other Division I uh, FCS program. The Rattlers were 4-7, and seven, and because of their turnout, they're coming in with a new football coach in terms of Holmes, who is exciting. He's an alum of the area, so he's bringing a lot of statements Back down there. The other thing they had about the Rattlers that uh, those that follow HBC Sports that must be notified: the Marching 100 is back. That's right. Remember the That's negative right. story that yeah. took place there? Yeah. Well, they've done a lot of negativity about that. But yeah. yeah, and it should be. Yeah. A person lost his life, and there's no question about it. But they stopped the program, which I think was the right thing to do. They tried to educate people on the importance about uh, hazing, which we know is 
prevalent in terms of fraternities and bands within uh, our community, the HBCU community, to a lot of degrees, sometimes for the very wrong reason. So they've done what they had to do in terms of educating. We'll see if they made the right decision. Decided to thought it was time to bring them back, and there's a lot of pride associated with the uh, marching rally. So I, I hope they come back and come back with the right attitude because it's needed uh, in terms of HBCU sports and the pride it brings to the rallies. Bringing us back to number 10, Prairie and them Panthers, as we said, DeAndre Smiley is going to be the key. Also along with what they do on the defensive side of the ball as they brought in a new coach, who's going to be doing a lot of things and see how he leads that program over there. And new coach is Charles McMillan, so I got them at number 10. Uh, at number 9, we go back to the MEAC. That is South Carolina State Bulldogs. They terrorized the MEAC over the last five years, but they hit a huge bump last year and dropped down their record with 5-6, and six, the first uh, losing season under two since he got there, except for his first season when he was trying to rebuild the program. They're looking to bounce back and getting things done there. At number eight, you have Alabama State Hornets getting it done, seven and four. They have that transfer running back. You remember him from uh, Georgia, that transfer running back, and he's trying to get it done. That's Isaiah Crowell, so he's doing a lot. They were seven and four last season, so they're looking to make that next step and get to that SWAC championship game. They've tied for the division championship the last three years, but they always lose the head-to-head tiebreaker. They're looking to take the next step. Uh, and trying to get their own championship there. Surprise, surprise. Many say Southern Jaguars, they believe they're back. They have the quarterback, Trey Joseph, and he leads the way. They were 4-7 last year. They had coaching change after two games in the season. They had a huge home loss to them, very embarrassing, was on ESPNU to Mississippi Valley State. We found out Valley State was not as bad as many people thought. They finished the season 5-6, and six, and if it wasn't for a first-game upset of the NIA program, they would have had their first win of season and forever. At number six, you have North Carolina Central, the Eagles. They're of the MEAC. They were 6-5 and five last year. A friendly coach from around this area used to be headed and brought a championship right down to the hills of Prairie View A&M. That is Henry Frazier III. He leads that program. They started off hot and heavy last year, and they got off to a 6-0, 7-0 conference start before losing like two out of the last three games. So they look to come back. They have some season experience at the quarterback position, so it'll be interesting. We move into the top five. That brings us to Jackson State Tigers. Old Tigers, they seem excited about what they're doing. Remember, they were this close from winning a SWAC championship game last year until Pine Bluff pulled that miracle to some out of their hat, tied the game, and won it in overtime. So they're still soaking their wounds, their paws, if you would, in Tigerland down there in Jackson. But they look to come back with a vengeance. They ended the season at 7-5 and five last year. At number four, you have the Tennessee State Tigers, the other Blue Bengals, the rivals of that Jackson State Tigers, which make for an insurance game in week three of this season in the Southern Heritage Classic over there in Memphis, Tennessee. If you like me, you love hanging out on Bell Street. I've been there. That's a <laughs> magical game. They finished the season last year at 8-3. and three. They were actually the number one team at the end of the season last year, but they have a problem. There's a question, well, Michael Graham, the quarterback, will be on the field. First, he got in some trouble, getting a little excited about jumping on some other fellow's classmates' cars. Well, he found a way to get out of that, and then he forgot he's in college. He wasn't going to class. There's some questions about his grades, and they're trying to figure out if he's making it. They have two first-place votes 
because of what they were able to do last year, but that huge question mark over the quarterback position will be huge. Now, they have some backup talent in the quarterback position, so they should be able to leverage their weight, but I'm not sure they'll be able to do the things they were looking for at the beginning of the season. Bringing us to number three, where we start to get to the elite of the elite, another Coach comes around Broadway that was around in this area. People remember when he was over Grambling. He did win a championship at Grambling. Now he's trying to do the same thing in the MEAC with the North Carolina A&T State Aggies. Aggie pride, those that know the MEAC, boy, can those Aggies do it well. They were 7-4 last year, and this was that. They were on that APR punishment with practice time. He gets all that back, and that's the last thing you want if you're fighting against a Broadway team because he's going to be very sound in that game in terms of all components of the game, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. A&T has always found a way to have running backs, and what does Broadway like to do? He likes to run the ball, so they should be effective in terms of what they do. Bringing it back to the squack at number two, you have the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. They finished this season at 10 and 2 last year. They were the only team of the HBCU Division I programs that were able to get double-digit wins last year. So they did it, and they're looking to repeat in terms of SWAT, and they are loaded, and particularly at the quarterback position. They're led by Benjamin Anderson, a junior quarterback, 6'3", 200 pounds. He's an alpha man for those fraternity <laughs> members out there that we talked about it in terms of the hazing. Well, he feels like he's going to haze a lot of opponents. So he wears that A5A proudly as he uh, sits over there with his hat on the sideline before going into under the huddle. But that's what they're looking at. Number two, they have three first-place votes, and they are loaded again both on both sides of the ball defense. They lost some talent defense, but they're going to plug them away. You have a very solid coach there. Stop. You just talked about Pine Bluff being loaded on both sides of the ball. Yes, that ranked number two in your poll. Doc, tell me what does the number one team have in great demand to make the number one and keep Pama number two? That is none other than the Bethune Cookman Wildcats with six first place votes. And boy, you talking about they are even more loaded. They lost a close one to the playoffs, and that's what their goals are. They want to make a serious run at the FCS championship in terms of the playoffs. They have Brian Jenkins, the coach. Remember, he teased them a little bit last year as they were interviewing for whether the Southern job, and there was a lot of questions whether he's going to find a way to move under the swag. Some people say he was just setting it all up all the time so he could get some more things he wanted in a raise, obviously, back in Bethune-Cookman. Well, it looks like it worked out in his favor, and you can see why he doesn't want to leave his team. Now, there's one huge question mark with the offensive lineman that has been suspended in terms of not being able to make the NCAA grade uh, APR, and he's a big part of that team. But I think they have enough depth over there, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. They run that uh, spread offense. They can both throw the ball, and they can also run. So they'll put up the points. But where they really leverage themselves on the defensive side of the ball in terms of they have a, a mean linebacker down there that will hit you and hit you many times in terms of Quentin Williams. Uh, they also have a running back in Isidore Jackson that will get it done. But the man of the field, the man of the hour, Jarkevious Fields. These two guys I told you about, Benjamin Anderson, which is my HBCU, Dr. Cavill's offensive preseason player of the year. And then on the defensive side, it goes to the Bluthorne Cookman Wildcats, which is Mr. Fields. He's an all-everything linebacker, 230 pounds, 6'2", 6 feet, will light you up and loves to hit. He can come into the deep part of the coverage and even get into the passing lane and get it done. 
But that defensive attacking style of Bethune-Cookman, we saw what they did to a Prairie View team uh, uh, on the MEAC Swag Challenge two oh. years ago. Uh, that is horrifying. And then the fans are still around here. Brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. But that's the type of team they have, and they plan to get it done, winning their third championship, if you would, in the MEAC in the last four years. So they're hot and heavy, trying to repeat this year. Look for them to be near that number one spot all season long if they can't hold on to it the whole time. Thank you very much for the top ten, Doc. And once again, how can folks get a copy, get a hold of the uh, top ten? Yes, they can email me, Cavill. That's kcavill at th-agency.com. I have an All-American report that's coming up, a huge e-magazine that you want to get your hands on that will have all in-depth information that I just kind of glanced at here on the podcast. But if you really want to touch on it and you're a big fan of HBCU Sports and the MEAC and the SWAC, even giving you the independent Tennessee State of the OVC, and I also do the mid-majors for those, as we talked about, and we'll get into a little detail about that as the season goes on about both of those type of polls. But that's where you have it. Again, you can follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Keep following me on the podcast. I plan to bring you this hot and heavy. I have also have weekly reports that come on on uh, college uh, sporting news, excuse me, collegesportingnews.com. See my reports there called the HBCU Huddle and as well on TSPN Sports as they give you the top ten polls weekly. And uh, your, your number seven team in, in the top ten, Southern Jaguars, open up the season against my beloved university, the Houston Cougars, on uh, Friday, August 30th at Reliance, kind of about this. Reliance Stadium. And I'm glad the Wildcats signed in right there with, with <laughs> his, his, his words. Of wisdom. I'm saying it because I wouldn't have been there practice. So that's fine. So just give me your thoughts on what you've seen from a coastal being and the Cougars. And then I'll give you my personal opinion on on uh, your your response, sir. Go ahead, Wildcat. All right. I went to uh, they've had a couple of open practices. They right? and the Cougars, of course. They and the Cougars, of course. Now I hadn't rolled out of bad rules. I rolled out of bad rules. Trust me, the world we have known. Uh, but speaking of the Cougars, they're ready for game one. You know, it's been in process now of getting that depth chart together. Coach had yet to decide on where he wants to go and which direction he wants to go with his three quarterbacks there. And, and, David Pilot. Uh, right? Sir? Coach is, is... I'm asking you. Oh, Coach Whitley, David Pilot. I can't say that. Okay. They, they, they haven't had... The, 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 the two practices that I saw that was, was extended that I could actually watch, uh, it was almost like one was comfortable in the position, then got robotic in the position, and then one guy had a, a flow with the position. But I didn't see consistency on the two, uh, between the two practices. I'm going to one more on Tuesday because that's when they open, uh, they've got a, a full open practice for the season ticket holders. Uh, it'll be interesting how many show up um, and what comments will be made on the sidelines, you know, folks watching that close. Normally when the evidence stands, everybody's got a comment. But when you sit right up on the action, it's totally different. Now, you, you touched on it a second ago that there are some alums who have some doubts, concerns about the first game against Southern. What do you think? I think they can, they can win the game. They, they who? I think you already can win the game. But if you if they approach the game, that particular game, the way it did, what was it, Texas State game? Yes. And not prepare 
to finish the game. And that's just what I'm saying. They were prepared. The Cougars were prepared to start the game. Everything with that game. And that was it. It was embarrassing. I'm going to leave because the second half is where you got to make your statement. And I will say this. Even though Rice looks like Rice right now, I'm pretty sure with the start quarterback, if Taylor, Taylor Hart can stay healthy and stay upright, they can make another bowl game and win. This, this is going to be a good season. It won't be the season that they they had. They talking about Rice. Because I'm related between the that's, two. That's fine. Those two teams, they could be ships passing in the night. Okay, well, you know. And, and, and I mean either getting, going in the same direction or opposite and pulling away. Because what I've seen so far is a lot more organization situation as far as guys knowing what they're doing, their position, coaches understanding what they've got to do that day at, at the uh, right practice. And I haven't seen that. Hasn't seen the end result of what I think practice is what I think and what I'm what I'm looking for at practice as and an interest interested observer. I'm hoping to see that Tuesday. I'm hoping to see a better situation out of U of H Tuesday evening. Bottom line, Wildcat. Bottom line, if the Cougars lose the Southern August thirtieth Friday in line, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, point of eight, just quit. Period. That's spoken as a U of H alum. There's no problem being that's, not a, that's not objective. There's that's no not being media, journalism. That's thinking that the Cougar alum, where my money is going into the program. Yeah, if, that, if that happens, then he needs to just stop coaching. Well, if your money's going into the program, then that's, that's, that's different. you you got to say so. No question about it. But if you just look at it from a financial standpoint and what's supposed to be in terms of depth, from an SBS program to SCS program, okay. you're right. There's no way that it should be on the field. So if that finds a way to get it done, I agree with you, Chris, that there should be an uprising by the UH Cougars. You should not yeah. take this. Now, first year, you say, all right, some new things. And you got to look at the expectation that recent coaches have had at U of H that have went on to bigger programs in terms of financially bigger, uh, uh, branding-wise and things of those natures, but where they left the program. And there was no excuse for this program in terms of the city, uh, what they're doing in terms of facilities. This is not supposed to happen. So you're right. If you lose this game, it is without question uh, a problem. Now, the problem that you have in this game is you have an athletic quarterback, Trey Joseph, that I told you about. There's some question in terms of Mentally, will he be in the game? But what I'm hearing down there in, from a lot of practice at Southern, Southerns are coming in with the expectation that they're going to try to play with U of H, the Cougars. So the Cougars, as you talked about, and Coach Aline needs to have these guys focused. They can't believe just because of the name Houston on their jersey that they're yeah. just going to win this game. That's what I've been saying. And, oh, and, 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 and that bothers me. And because that's what happened in that Texas, the Phoenix State State game. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. Oh, that, that goes through a whole problem with, with uh, U of H in general in terms of, of athletics, sports. We, as an alum, I can say this, we think we're better than TSU. We think we're better than the SWAC schools and the MEAC and, you know, and all those schools. And we should be. Yeah. No question. But until we prove it on the field or on the basketball court, that's what needs to get done. So all this other stuff about, yeah, we should, that's fine. Get it done on the field. The Cougars are, how many football championships, conference state championships did the Cougars win, Wildcat, in the last 20 years? One? One. Okay, one. Hardly. 
something they ain't had on to brag about being better than everybody else in, in the city and in the surrounding area. So, yes, come to your thing. You got that one with the with the, the coach of love and then and and then one with coach uh, coach Brown. Okay, two. But, but you won the, the the first one with 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 the coach of love. The school won because that was really nobody else capable of that of stretching out and you know beating up on on everybody else and rolling to the conference. You basically got served up as far as. Well, we can afford this to get this done, but we're not sure. And then you only got what seven wins, I think, that, that year. That sounds about right. And, then, and, and I think you tied now the, the, the conference play. It's so far back in the in the annals of everybody's mind. You know, they pretty much forget all of that. But you look, I mean, Tim Helton, Browse, Kevin Sumlin, all these guys did some things to improve the program, take the program yeah, forward. Because it was it and folks, the three of us sitting here. But Tony Levine has has, has to prove yeah, he's ready he, to take the program forward instead of just taking it back like he did last year. Took it to the program two steps right. back last year. Well, you know, I, I hear some alumni. As far as I'm concerned, the program has started to move backwards. And as I told you, as a resident that looks at sport management, in this landscape where programs are always moving forward, by definition, even if you are standing still, as you talked about, two shifts in the night. You, by definition, are moving backwards. So if he doesn't take the next step this year. Look, for media week, that, that week, the coach is sitting down. Uh, everybody turned around and looked and said, that was a question. Whether it's going to be a challenge, whether they're going to man up and, and hold on to this, or whether it's going to float back across uh, Main Street, you know, hit it back to the Sky Street. Uh, whether, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, I basically said, you know what? If y'all scared to ask that question, I am. And I basically challenge the coach right there in front of everybody. You know, you, you took the job. You're in charge now. Do you understand what that trophy means? Will the trophy be here next week when we get here? They manned up in the second half and rolled on and rolled up on, on right. This year? That was the biggest win last year. And, 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 and it did a lot for the, for, the, for the Google community. But this year, I'm going to tell you. I think that I think that I think the U of H program is so past that, uh, which is, and I'm not saying that that game wasn't important. But I know it's, 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 right. But I'm saying that I'm, on, I'm only right. I'm not they saying they didn't lead it, but I'm only saying that I think that is a sad statement when you were up here talking about whether you can get a BCS bid. Two years, ago. Sudden, two years ago, yeah, two years ago, finished the season undefeated, pushing quarterbacks for a Heisman Trophy. Campaign type race. All of a sudden, now you wondering if you're gonna win a game, rivalry game against Rice. And you know what? Our privilege. That's sad. That's how far they fall. That's And I, I tribute that. Also, with the one thing we've been talking about here, earlier, Mark in the park. It's I, me personally, what I see is zero. And if correct me if I'm wrong, you know, other than what the, the voices that you are, the alumni has for people on the air, for the TV, radio. That's pretty much it as far as, you know, getting the word out there. And the voices on the, of the alums on air have been cut. One's already gone. Oh, yeah. So. And, and, one is, and one is shaking. So, the yeah. other one is shaking right now. You know, the Wildcat. What? Who are you, sir? I am the fifth ward Wildcat. I know it's been a slow day and a low day, but. <laughs> no, no, no. You're the college sports reporter, so. You, you know, but you know, I got some things to say. But right now, though, I'm going to tell you where you can find me. Uh, Twitter, AKSV. 
DCSR, the acronym also can be found uh, on YouTube, and on, as you can find the College Sports Report blogger, and on the front page of, of kingsideview.com, the online edition. Two things are coming up that, uh, uh, here quick, college football, two weeks away, but college sports is about to begin this week. This weekend, coming up, the 23rd, teams on the road. I know it's women's sports, but that gummit, you ready. I'm ready. And the thank goodness, TNG is at home Friday night, 7 o'clock. They play North Texas State. It's going to be interesting. In soccer? In soccer. Women's soccer. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if you, <laughs> you want to see some things go happen, we'll see some women get run and get right. Oh, yeah. Women's soccer is it. Women's like yeah. is it? Because I, I, I will say I was I was actually there at the conference game last year between uh, Southern and uh, TSU Women's Soccer. It was interesting how that game had a match finished. Yeah, and the sad part was they were kind enough to wait until the president and the athletic director leave yeah. the campus <laughs> and then it. <laughs> Yeah, we well. One thing I will say about the Texas Southern Tigers uh, soccer team is they have the largest amount of uh, student athlete young ladies out there preparing for this season than they've ever had in yeah. the history of Texas Southern. So they're ready to move program and they're trying to take their next step. They've been huddling at the two and three spot over the last couple of years, not really being able to go far in terms of the tournament, having major problems in terms of non-conference records against programs. Uh, but she believes, uh, Coach, there that uh, they're ready to make a statement and sort of be interested in what they can do in terms of North Texas as they come in, which is a very solid program up there. I, I find it interesting that Prairie View was picked to win the winning. Well, they've been building that program. The last couple of years they finished in two. They have a Coach Garcia down there um, that has a lot of uh, Hispanic ladies on their team. And they play a lot of soccer. They play on their own in the summers. They play late in the spring. So they get a lot of work. And they are hungry down there in terms of what they've done in their program. They finished at the top uh, first, second spot. They've had some problems with the Grambling uh, when Coach uh, was down there before she moved to Texas Southern. Uh, and then as well as in terms of Arkansas Pine Bluff having a very solid team. So there's a lot of competition within the SWAC in terms of the soccer field. But uh, Prairie View and the Panthers, in terms of what a, what he's doing down there, look for them programming. I can see why they were picked number one. And the other thing is they schedule non-conference teams that are on the next level. Correct. They schedule the Baylor, the U of H, HBU. You know, it doesn't matter. They are going on the road and play whoever they can, they can get a game with before conference play, and they prepare them. That's, you're right. Coach Garcia is putting that situation together, and this probably will be. I, I, it'll be interesting. I had to look at their schedule and all to see who they scheduled this for. Uh, not coming this year, but trust me, they've come to town and scared some people. Uh, the one team that I know that they hadn't played yet, and it's a team that I cover on a regular basis, right now. Yes. Tell us about HBU football and scrimmage yesterday. How they how they going over there? I didn't get a chance to get to the scrimmage yesterday because of. Uh, family situation, but I've been to a, uh, quite a few early morning practices. These guys want to get out and play. The big scrimmage for uh, the student body, uh, the incoming freshmen and all is scheduled for next Saturday on the 24th at 7 o'clock p.m. 
folks come out and watch. They've got a new football field, a new life that's on campus in sports. They've never had football before, and now they're venturing out from all the way from they went all the way from Division One uh, NC2A down to NAIA Division Two. They moved all the way back up, venturing into this, uh, to the sports stratosphere. As KG mentioned, it's about money, and want to get a piece of that dollar. They're doing Division One FCS football, and folks, they are about to get this together. They got a abbreviated schedule uh, this year. Their first opening game is on the road, Sam Houston State. Uh, in Huntsville, 6 o'clock p.m., it will be ugly. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big step up right you now. That, that, that will be ugly. That will be ugly. Coach Shelley, as they join in the Southland Conference, they got their invite, mm-hmm. along with the Incarnate Word over there out of San Antonio, uh, well, at Abilene Christian. Now, those the Southland programs, programs are going to be doing a bad situation. And remember, you had your very own uh, Heisman Trophy when down there with Incarnate Word. Uh, coach in the run. Ricky back. Williams, yeah, that's right, Ricky Williams. Yeah. We know we had to put that in there, so that should be interesting to kind of follow. But that lets you know yeah. where Houston Baptist is in terms of moving forward. That was a huge land, in my opinion, for the Southland Conference to find a foothold in terms of the Houston market. And then they found a way to grab San Antonio as well. Yeah. You can see the direction that Southland Conference is trying to grow in terms of getting into these major markets so they can get that supplementary in terms of the secondary or tertiary uh, markets when they try to uh, do some television deals, which goes into these Fox Sports ones. Now, you talked about watching Stockton on NBC, uh, its uh, brand sports station, as well as the CBS. These are huge in terms of understanding how this market continues to change and evolve. Bringing in the, the UTSA, I think, was probably the Probably the biggest thing that, that comes to you as they did, but bring that market in from San Antonio, which opens up pretty much everything that's, that's out there. Uh, you, you got the Alamo Dome, which which uh, SA uses right now, but that area is a lot of growth. They've got a lot. It's, it's, it's just you got built in. Well, you got built in fan base at both the military base, right. and when you just throw this, those, that group into to the mix, now you don't have to worry about an empty state. You always got somebody in the seat. Right. Now, that's very important when you look at the definitions, how you look at expansion. Many people start to look at program or program names, and that's why you people wonder why Boise State has not found a way to get into what uh, many believe are the BCS or high-profile conferences. Same thing with University of Houston in terms of what they can bring to the table. But it's not about your brand in terms of institution. You know, there's some capacity to that, but really it's about television markets. What new television markets do you bring to the table? So that's when you start looking at expansion and you see all these changes as they trickle down and why I always bring up the institution with the SWAC um, having an open invitation at Tennessee State right now and whether they're going to continue to try to expand. I think it's fascinating whether you're looking at the SWAC, the Southland, Conference USA, Sunbelt Conference, obviously now the SEC as they've entered into the uh, Texas market as well as St. Louis market with Missouri and Texas A&M and the Big 12, their idea of moving with West Virginia and stopping the expansion at that level. Speaking, you mentioned just mentioned school, Tennessee State. What 
something blocking that, or they just don't feel comfortable moving into it? Well, from my understanding, the research I've done, I actually did a 15, 20-page study on whether the move would be financially, uh, economically feasible. But the major problem was the SWAT did ask them three-plus years ago about moving into the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And at the time, they had an interim president in. And people that understand when you move to the expansion level, the board usually ratifies it, but they're going to pretty much go with whatever the president or chancellor uh, deems is the right move athletically for a conference. Well, the president at the time openly stated that she didn't feel comfortable making that decision with the new president coming in relatively soon. Well, the announcement of Tennessee State's new president um, that came in from Jackson State, uh, she just got on board last year. So she's coming into her second year. So obviously the first year is more of a transition year where you're looking at uh, what you many of us understand are more important issues directly academically, making sure that your faculty is in line with uh, accrediting agencies and things of that nature. So now you move into your second year, I think it's more feasible that she'll be able to actually make a decision. In terms of the fan base, alumni, I would say it's pretty much split about half. Half would like to move back in terms of what they perceive as uh, the heritage of playing more HBCU programs, with the other half understanding, uh, thinking that they have a pretty good setup in Ohio Valley Conference, particularly from a basketball standpoint of moving forward and staying in that conference and what it brings to the table and leveraging that. So those are the kind of issues on the table. One additional question that is always out there when you do looking at expansion is travel. You know, you're talking about going from Tennessee State to Texas Southern uh, on, on pretty much football. The rest of the conference will be split in terms of division as they are, so you don't have as much travel there. In the past, you got to remember historically, which is funny with me, remember when I just gave you the history fact about Texas Southern. At one time, Texas Southern, uh, Grambling State, Jackson State, Tennessee State, Lincoln, and Missouri were all in what they called a HBCU conference that was called the Midwestern Conference at the time. So they were actually in the conference at one time, and this one, one travel was even more difficult at that time. So I think they should make the decision, uh, but those are some of the key things that will come in such a decision, but I would think that it's going to be made pretty soon at this point in time. Let me uh, mention this. Uh, coach Ron Costell, HBU, uh, men's basketball head coach, announced they got a transfer, a uh, former uh, SMU big man out I'm probably going to mispronounce the name, and I apologize. I didn't see any pronunciation in the press release about how to pronounce the name correctly, but his name is Rickman's Vild, or Vilded, V-I-L-D-E, 6'11", 255 pounds from, from a, initially, Latvia, but he played a ball at SMU in the 2011-2012 season after redshirting initially. Uh, coach Larry Brown, of course, new head coach at SMU, took over last season, uh, didn't believe the big man fit into his plans, so how, how should we say it? Did not bring him back, as opposed to I can believe. Did not bring him back. <laughs> now, um, okay. Rickman, um, Coach Cottrell says he's, he believes he'll fit in. He, he's one of those international big men who can shoot from the outside, perimeter game kind of thing. But he's already graduated. But he's going to have two years of eligibility of basketball to play, and he's going to pursue his master's degree at HBU. So he'll be eligible to play this season, 13-14 season, and have one more year left for the 14-15 season. So that's basketball note there. And quickly, 
uh, Wildcat. Did you hear about your good friend and mine, uh, Daryl Morey, Rocket General Manager, saying that he believes Coach Kevin McHale will try Dwight Howard at power forward when he plays Omer Asik at center. So a lot of us were believing that the only way for the two big men to play together would be Omer at, at power forward and Dwight at the center. Well, Daryl Moore said in, in a uh, online chat Thursday or Friday a few days ago that it'd be the other way around, be reversed. Be Dwight Howard at the fourth spot and Asik at the five. I think that might work in a, in a in ten to fifteen minutes, you know, period of a game. What do you say, sir? Mr. Oh, Walking best basketball? Yes. What do you say, Walking? Fifteen minutes. Oh, ten minutes, five, ten minutes, whatever. We'll see in practice. I'm still. I'm just. I'm going with this gut, and I said, and somebody mentioned that this week, and I was amazed. Concept. Point blank, I said, I want to find out if he got his stones, and the old Mel Arthur is going to find out if he got his stones. It's going to happen. That's. 10 or 15 minutes is going to happen that first week because the intention is going to be set. But Wildcat, Wildcat, see, there you go, hating on Dwight. He's hating on the man already, calling the question the man and testing on 42 already, Wildcat. Hey, I see him working. You know, he's, he's working out. He worked with Dream this week. You know, Dream worked work with him and Kevin McHale on his footwork and post moves. He's trying, Wildcat. He's trying to get better. He's trying to make you and it like you've been making how can I say this? Platitudes and all for him to ease into the situation instead of just throwing him to the out there and say, go take your position. But, and, but and that, that, go take your position. But do you at least acknowledge that his athletics, athletically, he's trying to be power forward? No question, no question, no question. And he's better athletically basketball-wise than uh, than, than Austin. But at the end of the day, you're talking about a man. See, now we're talking about money and all the time on the floor. Somebody that has, has, he he stayed healthy this year. He found out what he looks like, you know, when he's healthy and upright. He ain't looking at, you know, no no injuries, no nagging injuries. He got him some double-double. His agent's talking to him. You know, money and all is starting to flow. You know, he's he starting to hear dollar signs and stuff, and there's a bell ringing in his ear. And now they're talking about bringing somebody in who quit, as he's concerned, quit on COVID, quit on the Lakers, didn't want to stay. You know, and now he's coming here talking about taking my money, taking my time, and my number. Wow, okay. Daryl Moore is saying that you know, it'll improve the depth up in the front court. What say yep. you about that? You yep. disagree. You yep. disagree with me, sir. Depth in the front court means one is on the floor and the other is sitting at the bench, on the bench. That's what depth means to me now. It don't mean we standing out there side by side now. Okay, how about this? I'll take it from another angle. You still trying to make these this all work, you know. Well, well, you know, I'm being objective because, you know, I'm not a Rockets fan. So that's different to me when I'm becoming team with the other. I'm going to call it like a seal when, 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 when it's cutting time, I'm, you know. But when you say this, you acknowledge the possibility that Dwight may be the best power forward on the Rockets team. Oh, yeah. Better than Terrence Jones and not as much oh. units and et cetera, and Grant Smith. Terrence has really got to grow up, literally. You know, he's got to, because if I'm a coach, he's got to come back and explain to me what, what the hell's on his mind. Because I, I, I'm, I'm going to be concerned now, because that tells me you childish, yeah. You know, I, I can't even, i got to look at the, that's why so Marcus Campbell is here now. Am I wrong? No, no. Because that locker room now has got a lot of youth in it. It's got to grow quick. Because 
at some point during this season, before this, like you mentioned, before the deadline, they're going to have to make a move to solidify them going to the conference finals because my gut tells me they're going to they have a good start. And people are going to start believing in what they're looking out there saying on the floor. And then we want something to happen come February. Fair enough. But I, I think it's possible that the Rockets' best five, when they play big, not the small ball stuff, you know, right. Kevin Hill likes to do it. When they roll it. But when they go big, I think it's very possible that we'll see Dwight at the four, Omer at the five, Chandler Park at three. Mm-hmm. Then if Sprite and Patrick Beverly and Dane Park in the backcourt, notice I didn't say Jeremy Lynn. That probably be the best spot. Okay, now that's 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 true. Do you think at some point early on the the new coaching staff changes? Would that all would it all just fall on Mikhail to to do day to day work? Where last season, you know, last season he didn't he wasn't he didn't have to be input you know at every position or at, at every uh, station. Well, and keep in mind last year, you know, Coach Mikhail. You know, he was dealing with a lot of things. He was, he was, you know, the tragedy with his daughter, oh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but, but, they, but they were able to keep flow going the whole season without a drop-off. Things were, were like, working. You know, they, they, figured, they, they figured it all out. They, you know, and the coaching staff was... Coach, I mean, coach Sampson and J.B. are still their big staff. They're still on staff. The changes on the front office, those are bigger changes. And you know, Jersey right. Rose is now the general manager with the Mavericks, and same thing with the general manager with the Sixers, and... Our tourists and now the Denver Nuggets front office. So those three pieces were a big part of the personnel acquisitions and the, uh, internationally and domestically bringing in talent to the Rocks. Those three guys are gone. So See, that, 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 that's what I'm looking at. At some point, obviously it won't happen this year, but at some point in the next one or three seasons, the impact of those three guys not being in the front office may be felt in the next, not this season, but you know down somewhere down the line, those three guys being gone. Actually, could be felt because you know Daryl Morey knows his stuff, but you need help. Obviously, you need help. So um, we'll see how things go. But Dwight Howard at the four, I think could work. And I, I, I feel kind of stupid. Yeah, I didn't really? think about it myself. I was always had in my mind Dwight being the five, only I should be in the four. Yeah, and I didn't think about Dwight being the four, only being the five. So kudos to Daryl Morey, Kevin McHale, and whoever suggested it. And it will put it forth in practice. And if it works, Kevin McHale is not a you know he's an old school guy. So if it works, he's gonna he's gonna use it until it doesn't work. Yep. And he will get, he he will test Dwight Howard Stones as well because he'll call him out point blank. And and you know Greg Fitt knows firsthand if you don't bring it to work every day, you will sit he will sit you behind down. So it doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah. That'll work. That'll be Dwight's uh, manhood will be fine. I hope. <laughs> We, we, that's right. You know, now, I'm going to ask you this because we all watch these two situations. Do you think you would compare more to him and Chief or Ralph and Akeem? Uh, Dwight and Omer? Yeah. Probably Robert Parrish and Kevin McCann. Okay. I can't be because now you're talking about somebody that's back to realize wow. he was getting help. The other guy didn't realize he was getting help. Yeah, but, yeah, but neither one of those. I mean, Omer and Dwight aren't exactly great low post. No, but I'm talking about as far as they're trying to make that work. Because just like Mikhail said, he once he was told this is what this we gonna you know this is how this gonna work mm-hmm. by Larry Bird. Yeah, 
question. That's a good question. But, because that's what, when, when they mentioned, when he, I heard him this week when he said that. No, trust me, that was the first thing that went across my mind. Which two am I going to see out there? Am I going to see the Boston Celtics front court? Or am I going to see the Houston Rockets front court? In terms of mentality? Yes. Because one realized... It, 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 probably the, the probably Parrot and Kel, uh comparison, I think, would be, would be a more accurate. Because, uh, I mean, Ralph Sampson, you know, Stick just... He was his own, he was his own kind of dude, you know. Because there came a point where Rob realized this was a Kings team, and he kind of just like accepted it, and went along with it, you know. Whereas Robert Parrish and, and Kevin Kelly, they each got theirs, you know, way they got there, they found a way to get it done, and they didn't rock the boat too much, you know. I mean, obviously Robert Parrish, it's funny. Chief, as he was known then, because he was so quiet, so stoic with the Celtics, that great, those great teams. But he was a worker. He, he, he was a worker. He talked more now than he ever told it, Joe. Complaining now about not getting shot at coaching opportunity. He, he said more lately than he ever did, you know, back then yeah. in the 80s. So I think it's I think it's more along those lines of a uh, Dwight and Homer could be a McHale, Parrish kind of combination in terms of personality. All right, now. So where's the depth coming from? Uh, Part of that, do you look at with Terrence Jones gonna make take the next step? Or? I mean, well, that's what they're counting on. I mean, the starting, forward. the starting power forward spot will be either Terrence Jones or Zanardis Motiunis. That's the starting four. Now, if neither one of them get the job done, then you'll see Dwight shift over there to the fourth spot. Hopefully, if that happens, on if Dwight Howard's playing power forward twenty minutes a game, there's a problem. Gotcha. I hate, I hate. I agree with twenty that. minutes or more. That's a problem. Another one I have to throw out there is to make that well-rounded is, you know, as I'm a HBCU fan, is I'm, I'm continuing to follow Robert Covington of Tennessee State, and he was my uh, player of the year last year at the uh, basketball level. So I'd like to see, hope that he can continue to grow. He, he's a hidden talent, and I can see why you picked him up. The boy can play. Right, right, and he yes. was robbed a, bit, a little bit last year because he uh, tore part of his knee last year. They kind of slowed him down, and he still – Found a way to put the uh, ball in the game. Remember, this is the same Tennessee State that gave Murray State all that run for his money two years ago when Murray State was the darling of the NCAA as they were a top five program. With Isaiah Cannon, a Rockets draft hit. So I'm sure Isaiah and Robert will be having some discussions in practice. About, uh, remember when <laughs> about you know, Ohio Valley oh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, And because both of them will probably see a lot of time at the D-League playing for the Vipers. So they should be teammates and get to know each other and help uh, each other improve their games to prep for rocket time in, in the NBA. What else you want to say, Wildcat? Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm just going with the flow today. It's been a good day. Um, but mine is, is on college sports coming up this week. I, got, I can't wait. But Tuesday will be the telltale sign for me whether your favorite home red and white team, whether they be making a move, Hitting after the open season and saying, we got this whoop. All right, you, you'll hear me for the post-scrimmage uh, post uh, uh, interview with Coach Levine and, and the defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm not talking to a whole lot of players now right now because they, they bang, but like the one mentioned the other night, if your DBs are making tackles, there's a problem. Something wrong up front. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so the darling and all of everybody 
that's that's all well and good. But folks, I'm here to say your race can't have that situation they did. They gotta be they be getting that to focus on this 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 year up front. They they've got to push. They've got to push the people. And Coach David Gibbs is the defense coordinator, right? That's the name, David Gibbs? Yeah. He's got to work it off for him. He's got some things to prove. And uh, he simplified the things, trust me. He did, he's he's going through a very Ryan type situation right now. You know, it's sad to say, but that's what he's having to do. Uh, throw it all on at one time, find out what they can what they can absorb, and then just and then break it down uh, position by position, area by area. They run a four two five. Uh, might look at sometimes a four three, but at the end of the day. They've got to figure out how to stop folks, contain the run, and not get beat on the DB. And tackle. That's a tackle. Um, I'm not, you notice. And I, I mean tackle at point of contact, not tackle with a man dragging five yards. You know, tackling through the box. You all brought it up, and I'm not coming Because I haven't seen anything. And I think it had more to do with everybody adjusting to the, to the new mm-hmm. rules and all. Uh, matter of fact, that's my uh, uh, time that I'm writing on. Right now, because of what happened the other day, uh, yes, that's, uh, the uh, the kid, the high school kid in Atlanta broke. The, uh, they, they that's the way. That's the way. His his neck was broke on a tackle in scrimmage. In a scrimmage. Fifteen years old. Uh, I thought you tweet that. And uh, that bothered me. Then yesterday, top receiver on the other side from uh, Andre Johnson. Uh, yeah, Andre Hopkins got a concussion. You know, do I put head injury? Yes. Because of the league the medical situation, you can't just say concussion right off the top. And Dr. Bill, you know as well that KG, you know, you got different levels. Hopefully, it's not a, a level one. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, because Gary Kubiak said after the game that DeAndre was fine, but more would be known the day after the the concussion when DeAndre hit the, hit the, the turf. Uh, to tackle the Texans offense preseason game. And and you touched on it, the different levels of, of concussions, and depending on the severity of it, you know, I mean, it's way too early to say, but concussions could be could be a problem for DeAndre. Yeah. At, oh, yeah, it's a serious issue, and as more medical information continues to come in in terms of the, uh, the concussion and how they measure it, the metrics on those different components of it, and there's a series of battery tests that they have to go through and now thing, that too, is man. very important the to understand how it's an, an independent doctor. And they should. The, the, to, when, when, when the, the team's doctor says, okay, we, we read it, legal says, I'll doctor be at MR. And they can set up to protect these guys because, I mean, everybody loves gladiator sports, they love gladiator, but at the end of the day, Somebody has to be an adult and look out for your well-being down the road. I, I believe that. But another question I got to ask you in terms of this, you, uh, the Cougar fan you are, is Keenum going to make the squad? If, if they keep three quarterbacks, no doubt. The question is, is he going to be the backup quarterback to match, match off? Number, number two. That test, what do, you, what do you think with the competition so far? Where are you ranking? Wait next week. I think, yeah, game number week. three. So it's about even right now. Yeah. Because we both played well. Yeah, both of them played well. Last week he was kind of like just feeling his way through. Mm-hmm. But last night he looked like somebody that they wanted to be in charge. And next week I'm looking for him to just take charge. You know, because if you're driving, you got to be driving. 
You got to have the keys and the wheel and then say, hey, take the back seat. I don't want to hit that front. But what it, what it may come down to is the fact T.J. Yates has some in-game NFL experience. Right. Back when Matt Schaub was hurt for two seasons ago and, and T.J. finished out the season, got him to the playoffs. Uh, Kubiak, Gary Kubiak might be more comfortable to go with T.J. Yates as number two because of those that experience that T.J. already had. Because if it comes down to player performance, things like that, you know, it's so close between Yates and Case Keenum. Who's to say? Right. You know, it may come down to how the the players, the teammates, yeah, rally around each other. So it looks like to me, if nothing else, the Texas quarterback situation seems solid. Basically, if Matt Schaub gets injured, which you know, Texas fan, nobody wants to see that happen. I think that quarterback position is is safe. Is in good hands. Wildcat, wrap it up right here. Okay, this week a very nice thing was done for a local player uh, here in town. Um, O.J. Brigance was uh, honored as this year's 2013 Touchdown of the Year. Uh, He was presented the uh, award by last year's Touchdown of the Year, uh, Bob McNair. It was Great to see him where he is now, considering that he has a uh, Luke Garrison disease, and he's to the point now to where he's functioning with a uh, uh, a chair that gives a computer voice, and he's he spoke from by Skype, you know, from his residence in the uh, uh, Baltimore area. He's still on the on staff. Uh, in the uh, front office as a player developer uh, development and uh, he helps the, 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 he specifically helps the rookies coming in and it was just good to see his classmates, his ex-teammates and I'll honor him in that way the other night and folks, I'm going to tell you they were the major sponsors the right out of pretty much Veterans uh, Club or they took care of what they needed to take care of to honor this, uh, uh, this young man. He's still the number one tackler in the history of the right side. He was a bad man. And he was a bad coach, man. <laughs> he fell in love with him. Coach Pierce talked about him and his days at Willow Ridge. He talked about OJ starting out playing until. Right before the end of his senior year, when it was recruitment time, as the offensive center on the squad, mm. can you imagine what he would have looked like had he had started out as a linebacker at Willow Ridge and moved in to the next level? He made his transition his senior year during a recruitment period and his freshman year at right. It took Four coaches, amazing talent, to make him adjust from offense to defense, even with his head down, and become the linebacker that he became while at Rice and get a shot. He wasn't even drafted. He went to the played uh, in the uh, Canadian right. league, got a great cup, and then got you no know, time in the league. Got uh, played two Super Bowls, won a ring, lost one. But now he's 
he's the guy that everybody talks about at Rice. He's the guy that everybody talks about at, uh, at Willoughby. Coach Priya said, thank goodness he missed out on uh, Thurman Thompson's freshman yesterday because it might have, there's no telling his judgment of talent at that time on the high school level where Thurman would be at that <laughs> OJ McGann is highly respected by everybody. There's no question about it. I think it was at ESPN or outside the lines did a, did a story on him. Uh, you know, you just Google it, you know, and get more information about the story and his battle with, with uh, Luke Harris' disease. Uh, good luck to him and his family and a great job by the Ravens organization to continue keeping him a part of the, the organization. Wildcat, how can folks find you on the Internet, sir? You can find me on the Internet at my acronym, A-K-S-B-C-C-S-R, Twitter, YouTube, Blogger, and on the front page of AkingSideView.com, the online edition of College Sports Report. Dr. Kenyatta Gaville, thank you as always for joining us. How can folks find you, sir? Yes, they can follow me online at THG-Agency.com at the College Sporting News with the inside the HBCU Huddle Edition. Um, you can also find me on TSPN Sports on the front page doing top ten HBCU reports. You can follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. As you can see me on the podcast, I look to be on here weekly to give you these weekly reports. Email them out, so if you want it, send directly to me. Uh, send me an email at kcavill at thc-agency.com. And finally, uh, you can just look me up on all the different radio stations that I'll be on giving you a weekly report. One last thing, and I'll be done out of you all's hair. Uh, Touchdown Club has, has already scheduled has scheduled the uh, TSU preview Labor Day Classic Luncheon at the Power Center on August the 28th. Noon. Noon. High noon. High noon. And August the 22nd at Poker Turner with the U of H alumni. The Bayou City Event Center, 7 o'clock. Try your hands at the little little card play that young man. I'm not a good poker player, sir. I'm not a good poker player whatsoever. So you, you got no poker face? I sure don't. I do not have poker skills. <laughs> um, to, I'm going to wrap it up last but not least, hopefully. Um, KG, thank you as always for listening. You can find me. My website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. The Facebook fan page for the Houston Round Ball Review. You can check me out there. I'm on Twitter. The handle is T-H-E-H-R Review. I'm on YouTube. Also, Houston Round Ball Review is a YouTube channel. The podcast is available on iTunes. So we're trying to hit you at, up on all kinds of social media. I think we're, we're getting closer and closer to getting the Wildcats to join Instagram with all his photos yeah, that he takes. They're going to hook me up, folks. They're going to do that. And once he does that, I guess I'll finally join it as well, probably with the same uh, T-A-T-H-R review name on there. Be consistent. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. This is a long podcast. We talked about all kinds of things. We talked about, oh my goodness, me, X, Wack. Well put, Wack. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, we'll do it again next week. I mean, next week will be really good because we'll be days away from the Cougars kicking off their football season versus Southern, and then the next day, PV and TSU and Labor Day classes so football, basketball is right around the corner. So thank you as always for listening. And as always, in conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.